So if you're watching online or by video, we just want to say a big welcome to the Connect Church family. It's great to have you with us. Church, can we say hello to those who are watching or listening online? It's great. Appreciate it. Now, I want to continue this series that we've been going through, teach these uh, things, and we've been working through that passage in uh, Titus. I, I, again, too, I, I think we've got to understand the importance of walking through Scripture by Scripture, looking at words, and not just, you know, running off and picking back, but, but to just dig a little bit deeper into what. So that's why we're spending a, a, a bit of time uh, in this passage, because there's so much in it. It's Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15, and we're going to continue in that today. And I'm, I'm loving the New Living Translation. It really is a a, a, a great version, but uh, I, I know many of you may not have it, so it'll come up on the uh, screen. But he, here's how it goes. I'm reading the whole passage. We haven't done that for a few weeks. Titus chapter 2, verse 11, it says, For the grace of God has been revealed, bringing salvation to all people. And we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom righteousness and devotion to God while we look forward with hope to the wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ will be revealed. He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin. Friend, I want to tell you today, again, just remind you, no matter what kind of sin you feel you're stuck in, he came to free us from every kind. Whatever you're going through, it's on the list. Whatever you think, oh, maybe no one else is struggling with that. I want to tell you, no temptation has taken us, but that which has come unto man. Come on, can I hear an amen? Okay, that's a nervous amen right there. I mean, it's just like, you've got to understand, he he has freed us from every kind of sin. Why? To cleanse us and to make us, listen, his very own people. Isn't that cool? God wants to make us his very own people. Totally committed to doing good deeds. Then it says this, you must teach these things. That's where we got the title from, if you haven't figured it out. You must teach these things and encourage the believers to do them. Because how many know that if we, we, we just hear the word, but we don't do it, the Bible says in James, we deceive ourselves. So, so we, we've got to be people who do the word. T- tap your neighbor and say, preacher's talking to you. Come on. Uh, I mean, we've got, to be, we've got to be people. No, you didn't do it. Come on, tap your neighbor and tell him, preacher's talking. Uh, preacher's talking to you. He, he is. We've got to do this. We've got to do this. We've got to live this out. And so I said, uh, we're, we're going through this passage, uh, verse 12. That's where we've been for the last few weeks. It says, we should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. And I said, this passage teaches me three things. It tells me, number one, it's an evil world. Number two, that we should live in it. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. It tells us that we're to be in it and not of it. And, and then it tells us, number three, how to live in it. And it says, we should live in this evil world. Here's how, with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God. Because to live godly in an ungodly world is not a simple assignment. We need some help with that. And so we've looked at wisdom. We've looked at righteousness. And today I'm going to look at the final thing we need to uh, uh, do or, or have, I guess, to live in this evil world. And that is devotion to God. Devotion to God. But uh, really, what does that even mean? What, what does devotion to God even mean? What does that even look like? If, if you think about someone who's devoted to God, what image does that that, that bring up in your, in your mind? What image or picture uh, does, does, does your mind perceive that to be like? I want to try and unwrap that today and uh, hopefully help us uh, in our journey. So one thing I do know is that 
living lives devoted to God was number one, a mark of the early church. It was something that was a mark of the early church, and it actually was something that allowed for speedy growth. As people lived devoted lives, the church grew. I mean, it grew fast. It was amazing. And some will be familiar with the story, but if you're new to the Bible, the story tells us that after the resurrection of Jesus and uh, uh, he had gone up into heaven, the disciples had seen him. They, they found themselves gathered in an upper room in Acts chapter 2. They, they, they were praying, they were waiting. Jesus had told them, wait there till the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then as they waited, there, there, was, there came like a sound, it says, like a, that of a rushing wind, and what looked like tongues of fire came down upon their heads. And if you know the story, what happened then, they started getting a little bit weird. They started, and sometimes you can come to church and there are things that are, well, that's a little bit weird because when God moves on, the, on, our, on our lives, sometimes weird things happen. I mean, people get healed, people get, people's lives change. Come on, yeah. come on, about five of you, come on. That's why, well, so sometimes strange things happen as God's uh, spirit touches people. And, and it tells us in the book of Acts that they began to speak in tongues. That's a prayer, prayer language. Sometimes you'll hear us do that. Sometimes you might hear me down the front going, oh, What is he doing? Is, he, is, he, is that some Arab language he's doing or whatever? No, no. It's just the Spirit of God. It's that language of prayer that comes out. I, I don't know what I'm saying, but God understands it. Come on, somebody. And, and so, so you, you'll see things. That, that are strange like that. And, and, and of course, they started making a noise. They were and they're speaking in other tongues. And, and what, what happened, it says they made such a noise, they made such a sound that the people from around about started to gather around. And what, like, like, what's going on? Friends, I want to tell you, I'm believing for this church that we can make such a sound in the town that people start to come around and go, what is happening? About five of you are excited about that. I come on there. They go, what is happening in the life of the church? As the Spirit of God touches our lives. Now, of course, they gathered around, and because they were making funny noises, if you like, they were saying, look, it looks like these men are drunk. It looks like they've had, yeah, and Chris is telling us he's sober, but that looks like what they're doing. It looks like they're drunk. And then Peter gets up, Peter the apostle, he gets up, the, the, the mate of Jesus, and he gets out. No, I want to tell you, my brethren, they, these men are not, these men and women are not drunk. As you suppose. And then he preaches like he's never preached before. And you know that at this point, this is one of the great proofs of the gospel. This is the great proof of the resurrection. Because just a few days earlier, when they asked him, hey, you're one of those guys who know Jesus, aren't you? And he's like, no, no, man, I don't even know him. He like chickened out. And I didn't even know yeah, it, was the, it was the rooster. I don't know if that's where we got the, got the term chickened out. Come on, somebody. I mean, he, I don't know. But he, he's like, no, I don't even know him. And here he is now at, at threat of his life standing up in front of all these people saying, I'm going to preach a sermon. Like, and he started to preach about all that Jesus had been and done. And, and he's preaching his heart out. And it was such a powerful. And you know it's going to be a good message when you're spitting. It was such a powerful message that it, that, that it says that all those who were there, they were cut to the heart. Wow. They were cut to the heart and they yelled out to him, what must we do to be saved? And he said, repent, and be baptized, every last one of you, for the forgiveness of sins and so on. And it says this, it says 3,000 
were added to the church that day. 3,000. How many know that's a good day in church? Come on. <laughs> I mean, that's a good, that's a, that's a good, 3,000. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of growth, man. That's a lot of growth. I was just preaching in Texas just a few weeks ago. There was 3,000 people there. 3, so I'm looking around, I was thinking, and, and, and this is a lot of people. You, I mean, you know, at the end of the service, if you come regularly, we say, come on, I see that hand, I see that hand. Or what, imagine 3,000, that's a lot of hands. I said, that was a, okay, forget it, it's just a lot of hands. I mean, it's just like, so you've got to be thinking, how do the apostles look after all those people? How do they, how do they, how do, they do that? What was the program? Did they do alpha? What, what things? All mean? What was it that they did? And that, quite simply, they did nothing. They did nothing. Why? Because they didn't have to. They didn't have to. So we've got to understand, number one, it was a mark of the church and speedy, speedy growth. But number two, the reason they didn't have, do, have to do anything is because the disciples, number two, devoted themselves. Devoted themselves. They, the disciples, devoted themselves. And it goes on to tell us in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, they devoted themselves. Now listen, the, the, the apostles, the apostles taught with authority, they taught with clarity, they taught with consistency, but the people, they devoted themselves. The 3,000 that had gathered, they saw it as their responsibility, not the pastor's responsibility, not the leader's responsibility. They saw it as their responsibility to take care of their own spiritual lives. That's a good place to say amen, people. Help me out now. So what does devoted even mean, though? If they devoted themselves, if they, if they were taking care of that, what does devoted even mean? Well, it can mean lots of different things. I, I think sometimes we talk of our daily devotions. I'm having my daily devotion, our, our reading, or, and, and usually that means your reading time in the Word, or you're, you're spending time, I'm just meditating uh, uh, on the Word, and that's my, my devotion. I take a few minutes in the morning and have my uh, devotion, but I, but I don't think that's what it was talking about. In the book of Acts or in the book of uh, Titus when it was talking about being devoted uh, to God. I, I, I want to say this. Don't, don't get offended with me. And, and, and uh, you know, if you do write letters to Anita, don't write them to me. But, 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 but devotion, can I just say this? Just being honest. Devotion is not just walking around with your Bible all day with your head in the clouds. Can I hear a good amen? Just saying. Just saying. That is not the picture that I believe that Acts or Titus wants us to get. But I think that's how many people think. When they think of devotion to God, that's how they think. That's the picture they get of devotion to, to, to God. It's, it's like a picture of a, if I, if, if I can say it, like a monk. Or a nun. We'll have none of that. No, I just, I just couldn't help it. I just had to fit it in there. But, but we get this picture of a, 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 a devotion like a monk or a nun. They're just so spiritual. And really, when we're thinking of that, we're thinking of someone who is devout. Someone who's leading a devout religion. Someone who is very religious. Someone who is very spiritual, very uh, saintly, very uh, uh, pious. And you can see this portrayed in a lot of Christian art. You always see that picture of Jesus, you know, holding the lamb. And it's like he's wearing makeup or something or whatever. And he's just like, his face is glowing. And it's just like, this is an awkward picture. And Jesus is holding the lamb. And it's like, you can hear the little angels behind go, ah. You know that picture. You've seen that picture. So maybe some of you got that picture hanging in your house. I don't, I don't know. But, but that's how pe people picture this, this devoutness or very religious or very spiritual or saintly or, 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 or pious. 
But I, I, I get it if you're here today and go, man, bro, that's just not me. That's just, that's just not me. And I, I want to say, don't worry, it's not me either. You know, I mean, you're thinking, you're going, that's not me. I mean, I'm just trying to hold my job. I'm just trying to, trying to get by. I'm just trying to feed my family. You know, I'm getting up at 5 a.m. when it's dark and I don't feel like saying hallelujah. Come on. I'm, I'm talking, this is, this is hitting some soft spots here. But, but, you know, I'm getting up at 5 a.m. trying to get to work. I go to work when it's dark. I get home when it's dark. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get, I'm just trying to get by, brother. You know, for others, I'm, you're thinking when you're thinking about your life, you know, there's more week left at the end of the money than money at the end of the week. Come on, how many know what that's like? I mean, it's just like, you're just trying to get by, get a dollar just to survive. And again, you don't feel very spiritual when you're, when you're doing that. I know there'll be others in here and you're, you're going, I, I, I'm, just, I'm just having a good day if I haven't had the urge to strangle my children. Come on, somebody. I mean, it's just, a, a, you know, when little Johnny vomited over the carpet, I just, well, I, I, I didn't do anything I regret. You're just getting, you're, you're just getting, you're just trying to, uh, uh, trying to get through. Because it's the reality is you, you, you don't feel like a monk. You sometimes feel like a monkey. Come on, somebody. That's a, that's a, you're like, oh, man, I'm just stuffed up. I'm just mugged up. I mean, for some of you, just going, it's a good week if I've woken up on this side of the grass. Can I hear an amen, somebody? So I get you. I feel you. I feel, I feel you. So what does it mean to be devoted then? What does it mean to be devoted? See, the word devoted in the Greek means it means this. It means to take charge of. It means to take charge of. It means to, uh, to be earnest towards. It means to be constantly diligent. Just keep on moving. Friend, I want to tell you. Sometimes if life's struggling, it's like, oh, man, I don't know if I can keep that. Just keep on moving. Oh, sometimes I feel like giving up. Keep on moving. Oh, I just sometimes, I don't know if I can keep on moving. Tap your neighbor and say, keep on moving. It means to be constantly diligent, to give, you, give self continuously. Other versions use the word, instead of devotion, it uses the word steadfast. Just be steadfast. Be solid. Be solid in it. Be steadfast in your commitments. Be steadfast in whatever it is that you're doing. So I want to say this, to be devoted is someone that is, uh, understand it's not a passive thing. To be devoted is not a passive thing, it's an active thing. It's active, not passive. It's something you do, it's something you are. In the dictionary de definition for the word devotion, it, it says this, love, loyalty, enthusiasm for a person, activity, or thing. I like that. Love, loyalty, and enthusiasm for a person, activity, or thing. You know, for the 3,000 in the book of Acts to live a devoted life to God, it wasn't a burden for them. It's like, Ugh. It wasn't I have to, it was I get to. You got to understand, it wasn't a bird to live a devoted, man, if you're trying to live a devoted, oh, I'm just trying to, man, I really don't feel like going to church this week. And it's like, you have to, you're the pastor. Come on. <laughs> uh, yes, I have felt that sometimes. Ask Anita. 
But, it, but, but, it, but it's, it's just, it, it's, it's under understanding here. It was a joy for them to live a devoted life was not a burden. It was a joy. Friend, I want to tell you, if you're trying to live a devoted life, oh God, I'm going to try and oh. Don't. Let it be a joy to you. It was not, I have to. It was like, it was, I, I get to. See, what those 3,000 were saying is that they, they were saying this, I desire and long to know you, God. I, 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 my, my heart has been changed. Remember, they were cut to the heart and something had happened on the inside of them. Something had changed on the inside of them, just like something changed on the inside of me when I gave my life to Christ. Something changed. And it's not easy, friends. I want to tell you, the highway leads to the other place. It's, it's, it's a narrow way. It's a narrow way. It's a, it, can, it can be a difficult path, my friend. It's a narrow way, but not a narrow life. And it's not easy. If anyone comes, oh, it's just going to flow. You come to Jesus and all your problems are going to be gone. They're lying. Come on, how many know they're lying? It ain't the truth. But he helps us in our problems. He helps us through the valley of the shadow of death so we can fear his rod and his staff will come. Come on, somebody. His rod and his staff will comfort us through the difficult times. It is foolishness to believe that, that, that we can go through life and there won't be troubles. You will have trouble. Sometimes you can become a believer and you have more trouble. Because suddenly your work people, they don't like you. Oh, you're too religious, mate. Oh, I'm just trying to... Uh, but again, that's where you've got to watch out how you live devoted life. Don't come in, you know, with your Bible. <laughs> you're 50 inch. Uh, it doesn't work the same. It works with televisions. It doesn't work with Bibles. Come on, somebody. Uh, I mean, it's just, it's, don't, that's not what a devoted life should look like. Yet sometimes that's how many Christians try and live. See, for them, it was a joy. It wasn't a burden. Their hearts had been changed. They'd been cut to the heart. They've like, I've encountered you in a real and living way, and now I'm hungry to know you more. That's what devoted looks like. It's like, God, I'm hungry to know you more. So we saw in the dictionary definition of it's love, loyalty, and enthusiasm. Well, love, when you think about love, what, what, what does that mean to live a devoted life? It's not complicated. It's just simple. The Bible says it, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. Come on, somebody. With all your mind and with all your strength. It's just loving God. When you love somebody, nothing's a burden. Nothing's difficult. Nothing's a pain. And to live a devoted life is to live a life of love. It's to live a life that says, God, I love you. I love you. Wow. I don't have to come to church. I, get, I can't wait to get to church. I can't wait to hang out with the people of God. I can't wait to get to connect group. I can't wait. Because something happens in those environments because we're, we're, we're motivated by love, not about some sense of duty or, or, or thing that we, we have to. That's a devoted. It's love, to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. When, when it talks about the, the, uh, the motivation, it was loyalty. When it talks about loyalty, what does that mean? It just simply means this. It's just saying, God, I'm yours. I'm yours. I give myself to you with all my faults. 
of which there are many. And with all my failures, because you gave your life for me, I give myself to you because you gave yourself for me. And then, of course, with enthusiasm. Are there any enthusiastic people in here today? About three of you. (laughs) I said, are there any enthusiasts? Come on, help me out now. Come on. Oh, Lord Jesus. We should be enthusiastic. I mean, you you know. Have you ever met a non-enthusiastic? Well, it's not that hard, to be honest. But, you know, no, I won't go there. I just won't go there. Just don't go. Stick on, stick on, stick to this. But what is enthusiasm? Enthusiasm is, 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 is being passionate. Yeah. Passionate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And if I got up here every week, I mean, you probably wouldn't come. I wouldn't come. And go, oh, I'm so excited <laughs> to be here this week. This word's going to change your life. It's <laughs> like, you'll come for it one time, but that'll be it. I mean, you got. I mean, that's why I preach passion. I can't not preach passion. Again, why? Why? That's, you say, oh, why do you get emotional? I don't even know why I get emotional. But the, the reality is, it's just when I start to think about what God has done, when I then think the way what I was like and what I could have been like, and you know, even what you said there, Chris. Again, just understand, no one can come against your story, somebody. Now you might be. They might say, oh, I don't believe the Bible, or what, but no one can deal with your story. Your story. And your story is not about how amazing you are. The story is about how desperate you are. And you had a God in heaven who can meet them in whatever situation somebody your mate at work is facing. Can I just take a moment and pray with you? Because maybe he can touch your life like he touched mine. Enthusiasm. People are enthusiastic for so many things. I think it's important for us to be coming, coming into church. When we're coming into church, we're not just a, when you're coming into church, this is how you should come in. I'm ready because I'm ex- <laughs> You know, you need to do your Mick Jagger. Come on, right? I'm coming in. Because you know you can't get no satisfaction out there in the world. Come on, somebody. You can only get satisfaction in Jesus. Lord. You've got to understand, I've just been to Alabama. Lord Jesus. You can't get no satisfaction out there. No matter what people say. See, everybody said, somebody said to me yesterday, Elevate, uh, I, I was like, uh, they're like, oh, I just seen your Facebook and you look so busy. I said, oh, that's just my best life now. Don't even worry about that. I was like, that's just, we all put on our best selves. <laughs> this isn't even my notes. I'm just flowing right now. But, but we, 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 we do, and then that's how we do life. We all put on our best selves. Make sure we look pretty. Make sure we look nice. Oh, no, take another one. No, I don't like that one. Take another one. Take another one. I was like, calm down, Mason. It's just a... (laughs) He's not here, so I don't know where he is. He's doing life growth tracks. People are trying to do their best life now when when we've really got stuff going on and we're really not as good as we look. Preacher preaching good today, <laughs> Beatrice. Enthusiasm. 
We've got to be enthusiastic about the things of God. That's what a devoted life looks like to me. See, Christ, Christ's question to a downhearted Peter on the shore of the Sea of Galilee was not, how did you muck up so bad? Why did you chicken out? His question was, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? He's like, Lord, you know I love you, but do you love me, Peter? Lord, you know. And feed my sheep. Serve, do something. Make a difference. God is not asking us about how we fit in some religious system. He's not asking us about religious observance. He's asking us about relationship. He's asking us, would we love him? See, Vance Havner said this, the question is still the same. Do you love Jesus? Affection is the answer to apathy. Affection is the answer to apathy. Are you apathetic? Well, friend, maybe we've, lo- we've lost touch. We've lost the wonder of what we do. And we know even the scripture even talks about, well, they did this in my name. They did that in my name. But I never knew you. God's desire is that he would know us. That he would know us in a real and, and, and living way in all of our struggles, in all of our battles, in all of our pain, in all of our stress. Philip Brooks said this, duty makes us do things well, but love makes us do them beautifully. So question number three is, what did the 3,000 devote themselves to? What did they devote themselves to? Acts chapter 2, verse 42 tells us they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread. Three things there they devoted themselves to. The apostles' teaching, one, fellowship and the breaking of bread, two, and three, prayer. Let's break it down. So it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and other versions that says doctrine. If you're new to the Bible, doctrine is, oh, make sure you've got the right doctrine. It's just a fancy word for teaching. Okay? It's just a fancy Bible word for teaching. So what did the apostles teach about? Well, they taught about everything. Everything. They talked about love. They talked about life. They talked about sex. They talked about circumcision. Awkward. They talked about booze and how we should respond to it. They talked about everything. Everything, every, every area of life. And what it really boils down to is that the 3,000, they devoted themselves to what? To grow in the Word. That's it. To grow in the Word. To learn it, then live it out. They, 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 they devoted themselves to learn how they can do life better. J.H. Jarrett said this, we can get no deeper into Christ than we allow Him to get into us. See, when we think about the Word of God, what, what, what it teaches, the reality is, it, it, it's really teaches the Word of God teaches us about every area of life. Every area. It, it does not just, can I just say that? It does not just give hope for the next life, but it gives us guidance for this one. Psalm 119 says, His Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It doesn't, we don't have to wait till we get to heaven to figure it out. It's, it's, it's for guidance for this Life and it pretty much, if you if you've been around for a while, you'll understand it. It pretty much covers every subject uh, that's out there with principles and, and precepts and procedures to to help with pretty much any anything. 
I mean, from, from, from how we're to work. How we're to work. It teaches us about the importance of work. And, and it tells us, don't be lazy. Don't be lazy. Go to the ants, you sluggard. It teaches us how to do business and to do it ethically and don't use dishonest weights to, to treat people fairly. Don't rip people off. It, it teaches us about, about finances and, and wealth. And I want to tell you, we need to pay attention when it talks about finance because the Jewish people whose book is are some of the richest people in the world, you said, oh, I need to learn how to go. I understand there are principles in this book that could change your life, change your situation. We need, we, we need to see the fruit of the book. It teaches about farming and agriculture and even diet. So I said yesterday, I'm trying to get in shape, but I think rounds are shape. Can I hear an amen, somebody? It teaches on family and marriage. It talks about how to treat your wife and all the ladies said. Amen. Gentlemen, this is your chance. And it talks about how you're to treat your husband and all the men said. Oh, that was pretty weak, guys. Pretty weak. Bunch of chickens. <laughs> how to treat your wife and your husband and how to train your kids. It teaches, a, it teaches us leadership and morality, ethics, character development. It teaches about architecture and, and, and building techniques. It challenges motivations. It, it, it challenge, challenges our attitudes. Oh, how many have ever had a bad attitude? <laughs> well, thank you, Keith. I appreciate that. Come on. How many ever had a bad attitude? Because we know someone wrote a book, you know, your, your attitudes determine your altitude. But talking about what level you're going, but it's not just your altitude, it's your altitudes because it changes. When you've got a bad attitude, you can tell. It's your altitude. <laughs> Some of us, you know, oh yeah, I go to church, but we can have bad attitude. When we were in Birmingham, Alabama, we got in a, we got in a Uber, Ubering around all this place, met all these nice people. And then we got in this, this, this one Uber, and this is not a reflection of the, of the church, but we're, we finally, we said, oh, we're here for the church, the high, it's such a big church, everybody knows that, that's 40,000 people on a Sunday. So, so we finally got an Uber driver who was from the church. So yeah, that's my church. I said, like, okay, can you take us there? And he's like, yeah. And he starts driving off, and as we come out of the mall car park, he's like, yeah! What? what are they doing? Uh, this is, okay, the weirdest Uber driver we're, we're having right now. He's from the church. So he's driving around. He doesn't just do it once, eh, he dear? He's driving around. The more he comes turn How many know he was needing an attitude adjustment? But the reality is that's how some of you are driving and nobody's sitting next to you uh, on it. Hayden's like, I mean, we're called to live different. We're called to live, the Bible says, to live a life worthy of His name. You know, we've got to understand our Western society in many ways, all its views on life is built on the Judeo-Christian ethic. The teachings in the Bible have shaped our entire world. That's why it's, I believe it's one of the most powerful books in, in, in the world. And when atheists just say, well, it's just full of fairy tales, I want to tell you what, you don't get thrown in prison for reading Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I want to tell you, there's something powerful about this book. And it's not written for just monks and nuns. It's written for fishermen. 
and tax collectors. It's written for people like Joseph, house managers to prime ministers. From Daniel to government service and diplomats to Rahab, even for a woman of the night. For women like Deborah, an outstanding leader and warrior. For Moses, a reluctant leader. For Noah, the first boat builder. It's written for them. It's written for us. See, the apostles taught the Word, and the Word was relevant to life. They devoted themselves to fellowship and to breaking of bread. Man, I'm not even through point one. I might have to go to another sermon. I think I will. Yeah, I think I will. <laughs> I'll just do that because I've got like so much more. I, I can't get no satisfaction with that if I just try and, if I try and run it. So come for part two whenever I'm going to do it next. Because that's as far as we've got to. But I want to take a moment and, today and just go, you know, what, what in your life do you need to change to take you from distracted to devoted? To take from distracted to devoted? What things have you got to change? What things have you got to, got to shift? What things have you got to, got to move to take you from distracted? Maybe to take you from distressed? Maybe to take you from depressed to devoted. Why not make one change this week? Well, just one, just one to change that. Maybe it is I'm going to get up and read my word for a couple of minutes. I'm going I'm I'm to do that this week. And don't make ridiculous things like, yeah, I'm going to get up at 4 a.m. That's what, that's what we do. It's like, it's like New Year's resolution. Yeah, 4 a.m., yo, what's up? Because then you will be a zombie on the rest of the day. I mean, it's just like, be sensible. Make, make targets that you can achieve. And begin to the process of devoted life. What does it mean? Well, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread into prayer. We'll look at those in part two because I've waffled on too much. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here today and you know that you're not right with God, you know you're like those people who gathered around the house that we talked about. That They sensed something was going on. They were drawn to the house. They heard a sound that resonated in their hearts. Maybe you hear that sound today, that same sound that they heard 2,000 years ago, and you know through the preaching of His Word, the Holy Spirit's been preparing you. And you know you need to get right with God today. I want to give you an opportunity in this moment to say yes to Him. In a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. The Bible talks about how He knocks on the door of our heart. And if we would open that door, He would come in. If you're here today and you know, you can sense Him knocking on the door of your heart and you need to get right with Him. In a moment, I'll pray that prayer. That prayer will say, Jesus, come and be Lord, be Savior of my life. If you're saying, would Pastor, would you include me in that prayer? I want you to put your hand up when I get to three. You might be here and go, well, Pastor, you don't know how bad I am. I, I, quite frankly, I'm not interested in how bad you are because the gospel is about how good he is and what he has done. It's not about us. It's about him. He loved you while we were still sinners, while we were still bad, if you like. He loved us and died for us. 
Friends, it's not a condition to sort yourself out. What he's asking is, would you come to me? Would you bring your burden to me? Would you bring your sin to me? Would you bring your pain to me? And I will give you rest. If that's you today and you go, man, would you include me in that prayer? With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you put your hand up on number three? One, God loves you. Two, he died for you. And it's your chance to say yes to him. Three, would you put your hand up and say, that's me, I need to get right with God here today. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? You know you need to get right with God today. Hallelujah. Thank you down the back there. Anyone else? You know you need to get right. Hallelujah. Right, slip those hands down. Let's all pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus, I come to you, a sinner in need of a Savior. I ask today, cleanse me from my sin I turn from them and give my life to you come into my heart build my life be not just my saviour but my Lord from this day forth this I ask in Jesus name Amen can we put our hands together